Hello and welcome to the Irish word of the day. Today's word is banjaxed. Banjaxed means messed up, screwed up, uh, totally annihilated, fucked. As in, uh, for example, I loaned my car to Drew and didn't he wrap the bloody thing around a pole? And now the car is banjaxed. That's banjaxed. Are you hearing voices? Good, because this is Hearing Voices with Drew Fisher. Hearing Voices opening theme is brought to you by Nico Sardanovich. Additional music by Cam Nord. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the most unique podcast in the world because it is the only one not brought to you by Blue Chew because those fuckers haven't given me a sponsorship yet. Maybe I'll create my own uh, erection pill and call it Drew Chew, and then we'll see who's laughing last. Now, I got to get something out of the way first off. There's been a lot of complaints that I've been saying some really mean things so far on the podcast, and all of those complaints come from Eve's mom. So I wanted to change it up a little bit and tell a nice story where something good happens. So today I picked up some beer at the beer store, and in front of me in line was an old man who may have been homeless, but he was in a motorized scooter. Now, He could barely move, and he had a lot of trouble loading up what he bought at the store. And as he was rolling out of the store, I saw him going along the parking lot. And as I stepped out of the store, I saw he dropped his gloves on the ground. And I saw him put the motorized scooter in reverse, and he rolled back, and he was reaching down to try and get them. But he barely had any use of his arms. So I saw an opportunity for something really good to happen. I ran over, and I picked up the gloves. And now I have some really, really sweet new gloves. Went to the gym this morning, and my gym has probably 10 stair climbers. And I can't wrap my head around this, but I always do an hour of cardio. It's part of my plan every week. And I get up on my stair climber, and I put on YouTube, and I'm watching some wrestling matches. And lo and behold, all the stair climbers are empty. But what does the next guy do? He climbs up on the stair climber right beside me. Now, I'm smart enough that I picked the last one in the line. So the only chance you have to be right beside me is on one side. I'm not going to get myself surrounded. But why the fuck do people feel compelled to get on the equipment right next to you? Like, I'm doing an hour of cardio. I probably don't smell the best. I'm watching Japanese wrestling where guys are bleeding all over each other. You probably don't want to see that because you might pass out and fall off the damn moving stair climber. I just don't understand why people have to come right next to you. You see it on treadmills all the time. They have like 40 of those, but there's two people running side by side, not saying a word to each other. I don't understand why people do this. Speaking of the gym, I got in the sauna today and I met my friend who's always in there and he's just this old man, but he tells me all these crazy stories because he was a storm chaser. And the whole time I'm thinking, Man, he's a really nice guy. I should maybe put him on the podcast. I wonder if he'd be interested in doing it. But then I realized that the description of the episode would be the naked old man I met in the sauna. Sad to see that Russia and Ukraine have gone to war. Uh, It's a little bit of a personal situation for me because my neighbor across the hall is Russian 
and the couple upstairs is Ukrainian. So suffice to say, me and Eve are going to start locking our door. My guest today is Catherine Hughes. She's a very close friend of mine. She's an actress, a singer, a performer, a royal pain in the ass, a violent lunatic. Uh, you could say so many wonderful things about Catherine. But she's with us today to tell maybe the most feel-good story I've heard in the last couple of years. Um, she was kind of assaulted um, not like physically assaulted, but someone threw something at her on the street all over this residential school issue. And this is a story of someone who gets pushed just a little too far and fights back. And we tell the story. It's a long, uh, long roundabout story to kind of give you the context of the type of person she is, because you wouldn't expect the finale, but I think you'll really, really like it. And I'm telling you right now, this one is very, very funny. I listened to it myself twice. So here's Catherine Hughes. Check it out. I think you'll really like this one. So can you explain the schools again? Because <laughs> oh no! So I went to an awful, awful elementary school. I think I went to the worst one you could ever find. And I, I keep telling this? everybody this story <laughs> that all we did for eight years, eight years of elementary school, yeah. was our music teacher had this little boombox, and she would put the Lion King soundtrack in it, and then she'd put on "I Just Can't Wait to Be King," and they gave us all sticks. And we just had to sit, and it's like, can't wait to be king. And we sat going, tsh, 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 for eight years. And to be fair, that's probably the worst song out of the entire probably. musical. Yeah, and like, why was there so much appeal for The Lion King? Like, uh, why did that dictate what we were learning It's kind in of school? offensive, too. Like, the, fa the father dies. Oh, Disney always has to kill off a fucking parent. Yeah, constantly. He hates yeah. parents. And you, you got to be in tears in the first 20 minutes. That's what they And he was a on. Nazi. And my, my mother would say to me when I'd come home from school, she'd be like, what did you learn at school today? And I'm like, the fucking words to I just can't wait to be king? They're still grilled into my skull. If we're really good in three years, we'll know Hakuna Matata. Yeah. But then you told me that this school has a name. And I'm assuming that that's where I was going. <laughs> so in the... Uh 70s and maybe into the 80s i don't know but i only know because of my parents who had like a children's theater company that would go to schools and like perform you know you'd go sit in the gym and they would perform usually like indigenous stories because they had um indigenous actors and native actors anyway there was one school and it was called the school for the trainable retarded yeah and my mom said, even I was offended by the name that this existed, the trainable retarded. And it was like the lovely, and she said, they're like the loveliest kids, but they're not kids, they're adults. And they just want to love you and give you hugs. And that's my dog walking around, tap dancing in the background. Sit down. We're, we're glad he's here. Though. Yeah. <laughs> he's bringing calm to the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and she's like, you're trying to be sensitive at the same time. And she hears like one of her staff members or her stage manager say, okay, everybody, form a straight line if you can. <laughs> and she's like, no, this is the worst thing in the world. But she said it was a positive experience. She just was so upset by the name. I always wondered, So I think that's where you went. Yeah, I always wondered why mom would shuffle me off to this short little bus every morning. <laughs> hey, my son took the short bus. I was talking to a girl one time and I, I was telling her 
that in my experiences with anybody who's mentally challenged, Mm -hmm. they seem like very content and they seem to have no idea that there's anything wrong. Because they don't have the exterior bullshit that we all maybe put up with. They're like what we all are maybe at our core, like maybe kind, kind fucking people that aren't jaded by. But I, I was saying to this girl that they probably have no idea. And then I scared myself because I was like, usually... I'm a pretty happy guy. Yeah, I'm pretty happy. People are really nice to me. Oh, and I, dear. And I love pro wrestling. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. dear. And I went to that school. Wait a second. So, But I can play some mean sticks. Yeah. Oh, I can... If I bust those I'm sticks drinking. out, I'll play the entire Lion King right now. What are we drinking? We're drinking Guinness. Perfect. There's nothing else. Cheers. Cheers. Slancha. I'm excited for this. It's been a rough day. Mm-hmm. Rough for you. Tra- rough for me. Training you. <laughs> oh my God. Before, before we get into things too, I just wanted to go back earlier. We were talking about nerds, and I think your point. I think it's so weird now that, um, like when I was growing up, the nerds who liked Star Wars and Star Trek, they got picked on by the jocks, right? And it was kind of like what you'd see in like the Revenge of the Nerds. I was going to say it was just like stereotypical yeah, Revenge of the Nerds stuff. And then we were talking about how now, like, everybody's talking about Star Wars and, like, it's sort of transition that the nerds are running the world. Now. It's chic. Yeah. It is chic to be a nerd and do, like, I have two stepkids, they're nerds. Yeah. And they, you know, Saturday morning, I get up if they're here visiting and they're doing, like, the New York Times crossword. Yeah. And I can't get away with, like, saying, I smell nerds. Yeah. Like, it doesn't, so- it doesn't work. I, their eyes. I, I haven't seen any of these shows. We don't have Disney Plus, but I know there's like The Mandalorian and all this stuff that's... Shut your mouth. Yeah, these new shows. <laughs> so I was at the gym yesterday. Yeah. And I have these awful headphones that won't stay in my ear. And I'll fucking go off on those in a minute. But You're they, supposed to go around your neck. Yeah, so they, they fell out of my ear and I just threw them aside and I started doing this little routine on the mats. And it was a dance routine. Did, I was going to say, did it end in a triple flip? <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> But as I was doing this little ab crunch routine, the one that you do, yeah, um, I heard two of the personal trainers in the gym talking. Oh. These are two big jacked up people and they're mm-hmm. having a conversation. And he's explaining how he went to Disneyland and they have like the area, the hotel looks like you're on a Star Wars ship. And he's like, Come it's on. the coolest thing because you can see like if you're watching, occasionally a TIE fighter will go by. This other, <laughs> what? This other Stay on up, target. This other tatted up guy's like, whoa, man, I'm going. <laughs> and then their client started talking to them about what happened on the Mandalorian. And I'm thinking, oh my God, the jocks are the nerds now. <laughs> no, you just have to go by them and, and scare them and call them yeah. nerds. And they'll be like, we worked out because people picked on yeah. us. <laughs> It's a thing. Things are different now, though, and especially too yeah. when you look at like everybody's learned jujitsu, like MMA fighting. Now the smallest, nerdiest guy can kill you. Yes, it's true. You know, you you don't want to. Pick My a hands fight. are weapons. Yeah. And speaking, the reason we're here, speaking about how somebody can kill you and your <laughs> hands are weapons, um, we have one major story. That's the whole reason we're doing yeah. the episode. So we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. Yeah. But I kind of wanted to start on how I met you. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to learn a little bit about how violent and crazy you can be. <laughs> because you I'm wouldn't... actually a super kind pacifist with violent tendencies, yeah. I would so, say. When I met you, uh, yeah. we met at a little private gym that's now closed down. And that's how so many of these episodes will start. Wah, wah. 
<laughs> yeah, we were, we were very sad to see that it's one go. Too bad. Yeah. Um, but when I met you, you'd been through a number of personal trainers. So you trained with your sister, Sheila. Yeah. And the day I came in, uh, you were very nice, mm-hmm. but I could also tell you were sick to death of being passed off from one person to the next. I was per- just over it. I was just over it. The, yeah. the person before you was some total whack job who wanted to bring her dog in, who was like competitive and also just not inspiring. Like she just, not that you're supposed to look like Barbie, but she just looked like like a square, like a side of beef. Like yeah. she just, and she was not inspiring and she would say, oh, can, you can't lift that? I'm like, it's not a competition. You're supposed to be helping us. We, we never told you, but it was actually a door and a wig. <laughs> yeah, I think it was yeah. a door and a wig. She was the worst. Yeah. The worst. So we started training together, and then pretty quickly, we got along really, really well. Yeah, we got along instantly. And yeah. you and Sheila were... I kept rolling my... Oh, Bella doesn't seem to approve. <laughs> Here we go. The old dog's got to get somewhere. As Can you tap- just go lie down, please? As she tap dances through the room. Yeah, it's old wood floors. Um, lie oh. down. Oh, my God. I've never <laughs> seen a dog take so long to hit the ground. Um, I don't even remember what I was saying. Oh. How we met. And we got along. Yeah, we got along. But you and Sheila were Simpsons quotes going on and on. And yeah. I was like, what is happening here? Are these two? And then I'm thinking, well, I met a brother when I was 18 and didn't know I had one. This could be another one. Yeah. <laughs> and it just seemed like you were like yeah. part of our family, like instantly. Even when Sheila told me the story when she hired you, I was pissing myself. <laughs> that's why we should actually tell her because that's my favorite story. So Sheila said that she had to interview other trainers, and I guess we'll say her name is rhymes with Shmamanda. <laughs> said, you know, just find someone and bring them in for an interview, or basically gave her the power to hire. Yeah. So she was interviewing people, and then she got a hold of you. And where were you working? So I'd left a major gym chain. Uh, for a million reasons that I could get into, but I'll (laughs) save it for a different episode. And after I left, I just had to find something quickly to pay my rent. Yeah. So I went to a survival job. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to this little place that sells fitness equipment, but they, they don't really, it's a place where there is fitness equipment. Fitness equipment goes to die. Yeah. But I had been there for three days and not one customer had actually walked into the store. So the job was just sit there with the other teenage boy that worked there. And he was a nice guy. I liked him, but he would put family guy on, on a laptop and you would sit for an eight-hour shift watching Family Guy. And oh, I wanted my to kill myself. Oh, my God. Yeah. So Sheila said she she got a hold of you. And, yeah, you had qualifications and all of that. And she was just trying to say, I think, okay, so what's a good day? She couldn't even, she couldn't even get it out. What's a good day for you to come back? It's okay. Want me to stop? No, no, we'll keep, we'll keep them. <laughs> keep, have, the, keep the barks. But we, have, we have two get, dogs. Two dogs with us today. <laughs> oh, brother. Clippity-clop. Um, so she said, you know, she didn't even get out the words. So when are you a vilt now? No, but when can you come? And I can come right now. But do you want to come? No, I, I hate my job. I hate it here. I can, I'm going to come now. And she just was like, I'm just going to hire this guy. He's fucking hilarious. <laughs> if, if I had have left on the spot to go, well, actually I did, but had no other 
employee been working there, yeah, probably would have been fine. Just <laughs> fine. No one was going to walk in. No, there, I, I never really saw people in there. I never mm. sold anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't even know if I gave notice when I quit. I think they phoned they me. They didn't notice. They're like, things haven't been dusted. Yeah. They, they did phone <laughs> me a few days later and they're like, did you leave during your shift? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like, you can fire me. It's okay. Like, <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. I've had enough Thanks, of guys. Bye. Um. So anyway, in a long roundabout sort of way. That's back, where you started. Where we and I remember being like pretending to feign disgust because I went, who is doing the boot camp, which we never joined. We never joined boot camps right. because we were actually intimidated by boot camps. Okay. Yeah. We were actually scared to join them. So that's A lot changed. of people are just because it's like a number of people jumping around. And you also feel like everyone else, you always do this. In any new activity you go into, you think that everybody else knows more than you or yeah. is, high, is further along than you. And it's embarrassing and all of that. So, But I saw the sign for the training of all the things that was going to happen. And it said, snow job. You <laughs> <laughs> called it snow job or something. Yeah, it was in the and there was like time. some lewd things on it. And I started laughing and I was like, is he allowed to do that? But then I thought, that's ah, pretty funny, the, the best was when I had to tour people through the place, and my board said snow job at the back. <laughs> and I'm like, you should probably just ignore that. <laughs> so that's, uh, that guy, we fired him. It wasn't me. <laughs> wasn't me. So you were like a little bit shy and quiet when I first met you. So that's changed big time. In a... Yeah, I was probably coming out of, yeah, I probably, the who you know now is the person that I was. 20 years ago because I'm now 40 but like I went through a lot even I've just come up on like 10 years being married but before that I was married to a nightmare so I went through like a lot a lot a lot of crap and I think I was just sort of coming out of a PTSD fog and being really passive so Mm -hmm. it was like super super passive and sometimes when that spark gets reignited what happens is you go all the way over to super aggressive. (laughs) Like now I'm somewhere in the middle, but I think, yeah, Yeah. I don't know what was happening there. I was starting to get in shape and I was starting to feel good. Yeah. And I was starting to have more energy and be awake. I wasn't just sort of in survival mode and going, I'm a zombie and just sort of going through life. Yeah. And then it really wasn't until that gym closed down that things changed a lot. Yeah. So like, did we start training outside before COVID? Um, I think I started doing this probably five months into into COVID. Does that yeah. sound right? Yeah. And we, yeah. we started in the warm months, I want to say, yeah. too. Because, yeah. right. And so that changed. I think what changed, the moment for me was when you were like, put the boxing gloves on. I was like, what? Boxing yeah. gloves? What are you talking about? And the moment my fist hit the pad, I was like, whoa. <laughs> I cannot. Oh no, we gotta take that toy from him. I feel so much better. Oh no, he cannot have that. So I never would have thought that learning to box or like throw hits or. And it wasn't, you know, like 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, there was things like when. They called it Wendo, which I always was. I was like, fuck off. It's just like women's self defense. And it's all based in you being a victim and being attacked. Right. But this was like, no, you should just learn how to fight. <laughs> you should just learn how to take someone out with your elbow. And when you taught us how to throw an elbow, it was like, the, this is like pretty much the hardest part of your body, yeah, really. Yeah, If you ever actually get hit with an elbow, yeah. it's uh, like... It's more like the elbow and the forearm that kind of come yeah. right across. And it's, it's... The force is crazy. Yeah, it's a solid hit. Like, you can concuss it's a somebody. Thunk. It's a 
I know. I know. I've done it. (laughs) So I think it was that moment, and I couldn't believe it. And I remember talking to my dad about it. And then he said, your grandfather was a a boxer, like a champion boxer. And I went, what? Like, I didn't know much about him. And then I'm looking to my cousins in the West of Ireland, and two of them are like pro fighters. And I'm going... Well, just because I'm female doesn't mean like I couldn't actually have it within me to throw a really good punch. Exactly. And so that that became more empowering and it became more about like not being super skinny but being really fucking strong. Like yeah. That's where it kind of changed. And you never made us feel okay, sometimes you made us feel stupid. But you never <laughs> made <laughs> boo. Usually for reasons that aren't related to working out at all. <laughs> boo, guys, boo. You never made us feel stupid. So like you say that you just count and that you just hold things and move weights, but you do way more than that. That's my, my job description in life is walk around holding a clock. It's tr- it's not though, because it's like a it's like a life coach, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah, because That's, you just change people's perspective. It's good you picked somebody so motivational. <laughs> <sighs> Guys, I'm so tired. <laughs> but you have to put up with people just complaining all day long. Yeah. So. Let's like give a little bit of your background before we go into what happens. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little Where? bit about singing and acting and kind of coming up in that world. Yeah. I, so I grew up in uh, with dogs who never shut up. Okay, guys. Okay. I grew up in a house with act like parents were actors. Yeah. Which means we were poor. <laughs> Well, except that your uncle's Ridley Scott. (laughs) Well, he's not. No, Ridley Scott. We're not related to Ridley Scott. We had like a a godparent who was Derek Van Lint, who works with who was who he's deceased now, but he was the alien, the alien. He was the alien, an alien. You guys are aliens. (laughs) Oh my god! Why did I train before this? Man, those Star Wars people are gonna love this. Fuck off! God damn it! He was uh, Jesus Christ, Drew. So it's okay. He was a DOP. He was a director of photography. For people who don't know DOP, it's director of photography (laughs) on Alien. Nice. Yeah. So we had that. It's funny because we we always knew people that were famous or Canadian famous, which means they made $5,000 more a year than you, really. (laughs) It's just Canada. Um, But it never sort of helped either one of us because Sheila went into acting and I decided just to go to university, but my parents never really knew that I could sing. Yeah. So like at about 21, I was like, I'm going to go to Juilliard and got in just based on a a demo tape that I did. But my parents were like, that's nice. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have $60,000? Because we don't. Um, But I ended up doing like an adult night division course there, which is just for performance, which helped. And then... It was really hard to try and like break into things, right? It, like you couldn't, it was just hard. So I just decided to create something myself. Yeah. And I met this piano player who's probably about 20 or something odd years older than me. Okay. And I was just kind of discovering 1920s old timey jazz, yeah. like cotton club stuff. Are and, they also an alien or no? Yeah, also an alien. Okay. Yeah, you don't. You they edited that part out yeah. with all the dancers. You yeah. missed it, and the soft shoe. You missed it. Yeah. It was the best part, and the little green fl- frog with the. Anyway, okay. So, <laughs> I was about to go into WB, but I'm not going to. Um. So then he and I did a show together. It was like James Joyce, which is the Irish writer that nobody loves, but only I know. 
Okay, but super duper. No, you don't. <laughs> Shut up. Super duper nerds. Love the James Joyce. Who, yeah, is brilliant in his own right, but oh my God, it's tedious. So I was in this show and I was asked to sing these turn of the century songs. That's my repertoire. Anything from 1890 <laughs> to 1960, I'm your girl. That's also, we should say, we're sitting in a house that is like from 1890. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. Also, it's a little drafty. I, I actually, I love this house. It looks like something out of like an old Western. I know. I, and, I, I uh, love this house yeah. too. Yeah. It does. And it's creaky and it's breezy and it's a fortune to heat. So we wear sweaters. And people are like, Drew, we can't see the house. We don't give a fuck. <laughs> we don't anyway. Um, so then I, I, I got asked, I was working at CBC during university, before university, during university, and then after. Yeah. The pits. But there was a publicist working there who was about 10 years older than me who said, look, I know you can sing. I heard your demo. And would you open for this fundraiser? And it was all like comedians and other musicians and it was going to be at buddies and bad times theater now if you know buddies and bad times is in the village so my first audience was a gay audience and drag queens and like if you aren't good you are never going to sing again like that's it thank fucking god i did well and i was a nervous wreck thank god i did and of course what happened was my piano, I rehearsed with him, and he fucking did something totally different okay. when we were up there. He's trained me for improv, so he just did something different, and I was like, just went with it, and then I insulted him and made fun of him, and it became like, oh my god, it's like I'm a drag queen. And they cheered for me, and then other people came on, and people were yelling, bring the little girl back! <laughs> <laughs> and then... It the minute you said, uh, well, what is it, Buddies and... Buddies and Bad Times Theater, yeah. Yeah, I was like, that's gotta be a game. <laughs> yeah, you could go dancing afterwards, and it was the best place to, to go dancing, because yeah. you just didn't have to worry. But I remember going with my friend uh, uh, John, and I was like, wow, there's a lot of straight people here. There's a lot of people making out. And he's like, they're not straight. Yeah. And I was like... Is this how is this how you rebel? Should I be gay? Because I think these men are very handsome. It, it, it's not there anymore, but the gay bar in Barrie. Yeah. Uh, I think it's before I lived in Barrie. Mm-hmm. Um, they had one called Mr. Corned Beef. <laughs> Stop. That's the best. And there's actually I love hell, it. There's a hell of a story for it from it. It's not my story, but um, I, I know people who had ended up there what, mm-hmm. because it was converted into like an actual bar after. Okay. I think it was called Friendly. It was still a bar before. Don't say well, an actual actual bar but, but i think they changed the name it's like friendlies or something like oh that. friendlies I yeah see. and it's they, 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 four guys went and they took this one guy with them and i guess a lot of the people who were going to the gay bar were still going yeah because it's because still their haunt still their place, still their place right? yeah. so they took this one fella but he was already shit-faced from drinking before they went out <laughs> mm-hmm. so they sat him at a table and he fell asleep and the rest of them all ran around trying to like chase girls and getting drinks and then towards the end of the night they're like where's Gary or whatever his name was. Mm-hmm. And they look over and he's asleep at the table and there's a guy just sucking his dick. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? Like someone, I think that's just Barry. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Somebody had just wandered over and took advantage of the situation. <laughs> so as I'm laughing, I guess that's Oh, that a, is horrible. I guess that's actually a terrible rape. But I'm trying to I'm trying to sound like that's terrible. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, there was one place that was called the barn and we ended up there too. Cause we would go like, we had, you know, 
all kinds of friends. So we were, Sheila and I are end up at the, the barn with a bunch of <laughs> these girls. Tell us and, more about how popular you are. No. <laughs> they're, she, they're all Sheila's friends and she let me come along. So we went to this place called the barn and we couldn't find Sheila. Couldn't find her. Also, I was just so drunk. And I'm trying to find her, and I hear screams coming from the dance floor. <laughs> and I look. She's trying to escape two shirtless men, and it's like a <laughs> night at the Roxbury. She's just fucking being ping-ponged back and forth in between them because they're dancing, and they're just like probably on E, probably yeah. just dancing and having a great time. And she's screaming, guys, guys, I had to go and like pull her out. Like, sorry, guys, I got I to gotta take her out. She's, she's bruised now. Yeah. Yeah, those places were wild. But anyways. Okay, so that was my first show. And then after that, I took on the persona because someone asked for... I was playing this place called the Diesel Playhouse. Um, and it was like a cabaret space on Blue Jay Way in Toronto. Okay. And they said, we need a name. And I was like, it's Catherine Hughes and Don Gwynn. Like, that's it. And and they said, no, no, no. Like, your act needs a name. We kind of need that, like, where we are. And I was like, okay, well, we don't get much rehearsal. So, Diva in the Rough. Okay. Which unfortunately stuck, and I hate the diva thing. Like, but it kind of sold, and it did really well because it was it's like. It's also a wonderful book. <laughs> diva in the Rough. Oh, sorry. That's Catcher in the Rough. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> um, it caught on. But then people who know me, they go, oh, look, it's the diva. And it just makes me want to throw an elbow right across their face. And yeah. I can't stand it because it's far from the truth. Because when I'm doing that, it's fake. It's like not a real character. Right. And I always say to Don, I'm sorry, but I'm going to berate you now. And then I just start yelling yeah. at him. Do you don't like doing characters? I, I love gonna, I doing, say, I okay. love doing characters. I definitely just saw you in a play. So. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. Um, no, I love doing characters. I'm not, I could never be like a, a singer songwriter person mm -hmm. because they have to be honest yeah. and I couldn't. I don't I know. Do that. I couldn't do it. I, I can do it as somebody else mm -hmm. and sort of connect to what I'm singing, but I but I couldn't do that. I think it's strange that there's like things that are so alien for people. Yeah. So like, but like some people, like Bob Dylan, can just write a song. Yeah, and but, and it, and he's like, I don't know how I can do it, and yeah. it's the same with me with singing. I don't know how I can do it. Right. I can just do it, and when and I train a few people, yeah. like kids. And I've made it clear, look, I'm not going to teach them theory. I can teach them how to breathe. Yeah. I can teach them how to break up their song and, and sing it properly and be clear and have some confidence. Yeah. But I can't teach them theory because I never learned. Right. I never learned how to just, like, I, I learned some piano. I couldn't play. Like, unless you want to hear Mary Had a Little Lamb yeah. 20 times, I can't do it. If you want to hear the Lion King played with a pair of sticks, listen, it would be I'll a, fuck that shit listen, up. Listen, this would be a good duet. I'm yeah. feeling it now. <laughs> but I years ago, I tried to learn how to play a guitar. And oh, fuck, it's hard. Somebody gave it to me, and they started explaining things. Mm -hmm. And immediately, I was like, this is the most alien thing that I have ever seen. I'll never be good at this. There's no way. I'm not even interested in learning it. Drew, that is called a closed mindset. Yeah. You know you could learn. But there's things I can do easily. Like, I think public speaking is interesting because if you give me an audience, I'll, I'll always be able to just go. Yeah, me too. But me too. With music, it was just this. It was like trying to build an engine from scratch. I was like, I don't get it. I don't no. want to know how to do it. I'm not ever going to use this. It, it just was the most foreign thing to me. It's totally. Funny. You have two days. Make this a saxophone. Go. Yeah. Although yeah. 
I once saw Jack White build a guitar out of a, it was like a Kleenex box and some string. And they're like, could Stop you, it. could you actually build a guitar out of this? And he did it and he played it. And it's like, how does someone have What this are ability? you talking about? You just reminded me of the worst show. Listen, if you have kids, there was a show called The Comfy Couch. It was only on at 4 a.m. <laughs> Why are the worst fucking kids shows on at four in the morning. It should be good television at four in the morning for kids. Because that's when they're up. four in the morning up. was usually when the movie network had like pornography on. Okay, well, Emmett never turned the channel to the movie network. But he <laughs> would put on, and this show called The Big Comfy Couch would come on. I think I've seen it. I think I've it's actually seen it. It's ridiculously terrible. And then they would do arts and crafts, and they turned a pair. Look at Kleenex boxes you can turn into a pair of fancy shoes. <laughs> How do you do? And I was Step Am through I the top. watching this? Why did I have a child? <laughs> that's, that's when you start. That's what we should call the episode. Why, why did I have why a child? Why did I have a child? Oh. So going back a little bit, mm. um, once we started training together, I just wanted people kind of to understand your character. Like okay. Who you are. Because the end of this long-winded story will be a little unexpected. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, so... In our training sessions, when we'd work out, we'd do weights, we'd do all kinds of things, but we would always box. Yeah. And you guys took to it no problem. It was we, It was kind of shocking for yeah. me. And when somebody can hit, it has a completely different sound <laughs> from when somebody can't. Plus, we would shock ourselves. We'd go, oh. Yeah. I remember hearing you just go, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and so as we got like a little bit more advanced, we did a lot of little like basic boxing combos yeah and then we started adding things to it and we started using our knees and our elbows and doing and a kicking. lot of kicking yeah the kicking was crazy yeah. yeah and finally we got to the point where we were doing straight elbow strikes and we were doing overhand elbows and we were doing spinning back elbows and really quickly your elbows became these sharp weapons <laughs> where you would just hear this sound when you would hit the pads and it was like, it was a little bit terrifying. I would always, every time you hit the pad, I'd go, wow, like <laughs> make sure she doesn't hit you. Yeah. And I thought you were kind of humoring us a bit, which was funny. But then I realized like, I tried to teach Emmett and my stepkids how to do it. And I was like, guys, you yeah. guys can't even hit anything. Yeah. And you're also, I should add too, you're deadly accurate with it. Because when you're throwing a back elbow, you're kind of stepping into Back, it. yeah. And it's sometimes like wild if somebody doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. But you're all, you always hit exactly where your target was going. <laughs> you just let go and let God. Yeah. So it's, it's scary. So then what we have to talk about is this whole thing that just happened with residential schools. So. Oh, fuck. Let's, I'm going to kill you if you. If I do my jokes. <laughs> okay. Well. It is my job to change your mindset of okay. the joke. To like, be fair, yeah. I, I try to make everything funny. Yeah, I know you do. So, like, I made jokes when my mother died. I made jokes about, like... I know. Oh, you carried her in the trunk for so long. Actually, just minutes ago, Mark Lanigan died, and that's my sister's, like, favorite musician. And she said she was so upset because she's probably not going to get to see him in concert. <laughs> so I wrote back, Probably? <laughs> And I said, were you planning on an open casket concert? <laughs> so I'll, I'll tend to put humor in everything. And I definitely did it with this whole situation. But if you can just explain to people, because honestly, they might not know what a residential school is. I know. It's shocking. It's yeah. kind of shocking. The thing is, 
I didn't know. I didn't know. I, I Because I, I told you, you know what? We studied Canadian history. We don't touch on that. That's not part of our, you know, what syllabus in school. It is now. It's becoming now. Um, they didn't even teach us that. It was just sticks and language. It was stick. Well, you were at this different school. Yeah. I was you at, were the at the special school. You were at the capable kids school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm capable. Um, so I didn't know. It's been like, it was like 126 years. Okay. And the, and the thing is, the deeper dive you take into it, the more you just like want to vomit. It's just, I can't. It's so upsetting. And it's so enthralling. How could you not take such a deep dive? Shut the fuck up. Anyway, the last one was 1996. So basically it was like, uh, you're trying to erase native culture, indigenous culture, right? So let's take them. They're quote unquote savages. They need to learn, um, you know, so they can be integrated and all of this crap, right? So they would take kids from their families, like rip kids from their families and stick them in these schools. And then not only that, but they're like fucking, because whenever you have religion, you've got, that's where abusers find their way in, right? So kids were abused. They got like secondhand medical care. So kids died from that. But, but before that, like just recently it's come to light, you know, when we started to find out that there was like a burial ground, like there was unmarked graves of these mass graves of children, which was shocking, like just shocking. And all of a sudden it all makes sense. Like no wonder there's like cycles of addiction. What do you do if you're a survivor and then your kid was taken away? And then it's like, well, we don't know where he went. He's probably dead. Like what else, what else do you have? And then where society thinks you're just dirt. So the orange shirt, thing I used to make a joke to. I used to be like, why orange? Why is it orange? But I found out why it's orange. Wow. So there was a woman, her first name's Phyllis, and I'm not going to do this any justice because I don't remember her last name, which is horrible. But she's a survivor and she just told her story and they based it on her story because she was going to her first day of residential school and her grandmother bought her this new shirt. It was a big deal. Because it was like bright orange. So oh. she was like super proud. Did it say A&W on it? <laughs> it said Reese's Pieces peanut butter cups. <laughs> you fucking asshole. Anyway, she wore it proudly like to her first day of residential school. This is in BC. And as soon as she got there, she was stripped. Her hair was cut off. And you might be like, oh, yeah, I get it. Lice, you know, hair cut off. But the but thing I, is, they I don't knew. Know if I get it. No, not that you get it. But I mean, that could be a view where someone could go, well, it could be lice. Or the when I, reason. When I, went, when I went to school and they stripped me and cut my hair off, I thought I was having my first sexual experience. <laughs> You're such a dickhead. <laughs> Again, I don't actually think you were at a school so much as being kept in a basement with other children who were really being trafficked. It was more of a shed with no windows. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. So, like, their cultural identity is in their hair. So it's uh, it's done on purpose. Like, okay. you're stripped of your identity. Yeah. So, for her, the color orange is, like, makes her sick. Like, the color orange reminds her how she had no worth how she was just dirt and how, you know, you could tell an adult you're a piece of shit and so is your culture and they'll probably tell you to go fuck themselves, yeah. fuck yourself, you know. But if you do that to a child, like you're molding a mind and you're making them believe that they're garbage, what the, what the fuck? Yeah. So that's why 
they just took her story and decided to use it as a symbol, use the orange. Okay. So that's why. But at one point in time, sort of when Truth and Reconciliation Commission, it was started in Canada to recognize residential schools. The reason why I know this is because I had to learn everything through my child who was going to school. Right. So they'd have orange shirt day. And I, w- and I remember the first one going, what? We have no orange shirts. What the? We yeah. had to go out and find one. That, that when... was the premise of my whole joke. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I said, that, I said that they should be madder because who owns an orange shirt? It's true. How dare you? This is so racist. <laughs> so we had to go. Once he sat me down and told me, this is my like six-year-old telling me. And I was shocked. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Do you think he made it up? I think he's a liar. He's a fucking liar. Six-year-olds are the oh, worst. When he gets home. <laughs> I'm going to get him. I wish he's taller than me now. He's so big. <laughs> Fuck, he's huge. We'll um, send him to residential school. You're going. Um, so that's, anyway, that's what was happening. Okay, so what happened is that when they started discovering these graves of like, the first was the, was the 215, 215. The count just kept going up. And there's been, of course, more since then. Okay. Of the schools? 215 the, schools no. or kids? Kids. Okay. Um, but like back in 2010 or 2012, like there was tourists who were like, here's a child's tooth. Here's a child's rib. Right. But it took till like 2019 or tw- 2020 to get this to get this going? Well, I mean, kids lose ribs all the time. <laughs> they do. I mean, the rib fairy comes and leaves the money under yeah, their ever, pillow. You ever have a coughing fit? Those things can dislodge themselves like Look nothing. at Cher. <laughs> She's missing two ribs. We should do a Cher song. You're a singer. No. <laughs> if I could lose my rib. <laughs> anyway. Um... So when this started happening, I just was, I just was embarrassed that I was ignorant of all of, like, I didn't know about it. And I thought, I didn't know about it because it didn't directly affect me, which is, you know, everybody hates the word. I know a lot of people that get offended by the, by the phrase white privilege. And I'm like, it's not really offensive. It doesn't mean that you drive around in a Rolls Royce and like light money on fire. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it, you can still be super poor and have worked really hard and worked for everything. It just means yeah, you tell don't... Tell me about it. No, exactly. If me people, too. When me I hear, too. When I hear people accuse me of... Well, they don't accuse me, but I hear the accusation of white people about white privilege. And I'm like, they fucking know where I've lived. <laughs> I know. I lived in a murder shack about in the Sega Beach. I know you did. But it's not about that. It just means, yeah, you had all that struggle and you did all that stuff, but you didn't have the added microaggression against you. You didn't have the racism. You didn't have to, your mom didn't have a, have a talk with you when you were six about like, be polite to the police right. or don't go into a, like the kids I went to school with, cause I was the only white kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were like, don't, you know, telling each other, don't go into the store with an open bag of chips. Right. And I'm going, why? And they're like, because they're going to accuse you of stealing it. Right. And so I remember once being nine about to go in the store and I was like, oh, can you hold my chips? Cause they're open. And they were like, what are you stupid? You're white. They're not going to say anything to you. And I went, oh, and that was my first kind of understanding of what white privilege is. You just don't have the extra stress and garbage and racism to deal with on a daily basis. So when something's not in your orb, you're, you maybe don't notice it. Right. 
And also, when we were in school, they didn't talk about residential schools. Yeah, same. Like, not at all. Yeah. We, we didn't really talk about anything. We just banged sticks. You banged sticks. Okay, we've yeah. got that. That's clear. I think he's hyper-focused. I think there's something wrong. Yeah. And actually, my high school experience was similar because I always tell people at my final semester of high school because people are like, oh, I was in chemistry and math and science and biology. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, my, my first class was weightlifting. What? My second class was... Woodshop? Woodshop? No, my second class was a period. So, or a, what do you call it where it's, you don't have to go to school? You had menstruation? Yeah, yeah. I, I was bleeding. <laughs> what, what do you call it where you have the, you get the class off? A spare. spare. A spare. Yeah. Um, and then I had after that. Do you that, need more Guinness? Are you all right? After that was um, another spare. Yeah. Because I had enough credits. And then the last class was movie making. What fucking was, high school did you go to? It's the same as the first thing where we were banging the sticks together. I was like. <laughs> I th- I'm thinking to myself, like, people are doing chemistry, and I'm like, what the, how did you get fucking roped into that? I learned to weld. <laughs> Me no. and Susie Wilson drove around drinking, like, fucking beers in the back of our friend's car. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So the moral of this story is, don't send your kids to school in Midland. Well, actually, our school, this is a true story, they blew it up. Who blew it up? Uh, like the, I don't know, the construction crew. <laughs> I went up there to see a friend and at the school, there's just piles of shrapnel. It looked like Judgment Day. And I'm like, what the fuck happened to our school? And they're like, This oh. is where all our sticks went yeah. to. Blow it up. So I, I guess they merged all the schools in that area and built like a super school. But the one that we For went to. stupid people. Yeah. The one that we went to is no longer there. <laughs> I always joke, too, because I was in Midland, and I said, like, when the residential school thing happened, and they found, like, the 200 students, yeah. you know, I said, the same thing happened at my school, but it wasn't native kids. It's, it was just the kids that went to our school, but they'd all OD'd on meth. Oh, my God. Was it a problem? Uh, meth? Yeah. Uh, it's sort of a problem up there. Wow. Yeah. Not really with the students. I hear it's a problem, a big problem in St. Catharines as well. Because I was looking at houses going, it's so cheap. Look at St. Catharines. Oh, maybe we could. And then I had to drive through St. Catharines and I was like at the lights for the bridge. And I looked over and I was like, is that a movie set for drugs? It was like a rundown motel. People were coming out pushing shopping carts. I don't see any cameras. They were like, one guy was shirtless. It's like minus 40. He's like, and I said, oh. Maybe not St. Catharines. Let's keep going. <laughs> nope. We're not moving here. Anyway. So, yeah. Okay. So when all of this happened, I was super sad. Yeah. I reached out to some friends. I was like, what the fuck? What is going on? What are we supposed to do? How can we... What can we do? Well, you took far more strong action than <laughs> I got so violent. Why? So I have a friend who's, who's principal of Indigenous education so in another school board they're trying to implement it in schools right and the only thing that was asked was educate yourself just let us heal and just recognize that this happened and i was like how fucking gracious i'm now super embarrassed like that's super gracious they're not on parliament hill honking horns and like blocking shit up So anyway, I, I'm upset, and I was like, you know what? I'm I'm wearing. People were sort of sporting their orange shirts. Every child matters. Those shirts where, were where starting did they to get happen. These orange shirts. Yeah, I know. So now you can look at for for indigenous artists, and they'll make they make different shirts. Yeah. So I was given um, one eventually, um, but before that, 
I was like, I'm going to wear an orange shirt. Do I have an orange shirt? And I wore my husband's hideous orange waffle shirt. And it was like super hot out. Did you say waffle shirt? Waffle. You know, like <laughs> fucking waffle weave? Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like that cotton, like heavy. And it, what was it? I, August I, I or was, something? I was picturing a t-shirt. With waffles like, on it? I love waffles. And I had like waffles. 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 Waffle house. No. So I just decided, I always go for a walk. It's like a 5K. Yeah. Up. Just, it's a country road. And... So I'm walking along and in a very fetching outfit, the waffle shirt, (laughs) like a cap. And this was right when all of this. When it was all happening. And I see this car. It's a busy road, fairly busy road. And this car is coming towards me. It's like a Jeep. And this is COVID. Like there's not supposed to be, you know, seven people hanging out of a Jeep. And they look young, like anywhere from, I'm not a good judge of age, really. 16, 16 to 22, like they, maybe around there. They always you know ask I mean? me how old my nephew is, and I'm like, ah, he's a walk and talk. And they go, what do you mean? And I said, well, he can walk and he can talk. Like, he can have a conversation, so he's probably 10. And they're like, <laughs> oh my God. He turned out to be 18. By <laughs> he's 18. He also is proficient at sticks. Yeah, very. <laughs> oh, I could see that. Thus, the I didn't know he was 18. Yeah. <laughs> um, Drew's sister, you're going to kill him, aren't you? Yeah. That's okay. She doesn't listen to this. <laughs> Um, so I'm walking and this car, this Jeep starts slowing up, coming towards me. And cause I'm walking in the direction of tra- no. traffic. So I don't get smoked and, um, they're slowing up. So they're either going to, they're going to probably ask for directions, but they're all kind of like one of them had a drink and it looked like a beer, like a little red cup. Of, yeah. And they were kind of, they were hoodlums. They were hooligans. Yeah, you okay. Can just, you can you just, just tell. tell you're like, I'm getting nervous and I'm from Toronto. So if there's a fucking car coming towards you and it's slowing up, you need to run away as fast as you fucking can. So I'm kind of getting nervous. And as they're coming towards me, they're screaming shit at me. And the only thing that I could really make out was traitor. I'm right. like, traitor? Traitor to the crown? What are they talking about? And You're then, looking, looking over your shoulder going, who are they yelling who at? Are they, I'm like, what are they saying? And they this girl whipped a coffee cup at me and it hit me and the chest kind of exploded and coffee went all over me and they kept going and I, and nice fucking shirt. And I, and I just put it all together in that moment. It was like, it's because I'm wearing an orange shirt. Yeah. Because I'm wearing an orange shirt and I'm sad about something and you think I'm a, where, and it wasn't that I was, I mean, it terrified me in the moment, but I couldn't believe like, what are these fucking young people being taught? Yeah. What do you mean? Traitor. Yeah, Did we just pretty... move to Oklahoma and we're having, like, this is the Trail of Tears? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. This is, like, a very targeted thing. Yeah, it's specific. Like, that was spe- that was a specific thing that happened. And I instantly, I tried to get them. I called the police. The police went looking for them. And I kind of took a picture and put it on social media, and yeah. it sort of blew I, up. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, and I just kind of said, like, what the hell? This is, I'm just wearing an orange shirt. <laughs> there goes old, old Bella moseying over to the door. She's doing her best. <laughs> She's like 14 years old. Okay. Bella's the dog. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Bella. Um, so it kind of blew up and people started getting in touch with me. And then there was like an indigenous bishop or something that wanted to meet. Why don't you drink some water while you're at it? <laughs> it's okay. I won't get that. I don't think. <laughs> 
um, wanted to, me to be part of a ceremony. So we did some like bell ringing and all of this stuff, whatever. Yeah. And this, so the picture online, I've seen it. You're kind of in tears in the picture holding up the, the coffee cup. Because yeah. I'm also disgusted that it's like a Canadian emblem. Like it's Tim Hortons and there's a maple leaf. You know, flat uh, maple leaf. How dare they besmirch the good name, name of, of Tim, Tim Hortons. Hortons? How dare you? And I just thought, you know what? I'm in, I'm fucking embarrassed to say I'm Canadian. And also, Canada Day can go fuck itself. I've always hated Canada Day, and I just super hated it that year. And just yeah. getting nailed with a coffee cup. That's the lizard dog who yeah. also doesn't stop drinking water. Jesus Christ. Um, so then... I'm my PTSD is triggered. Okay, I've come from, I've dealt with domestic abuse. I've all of that, and so I'm triggered. Yeah. Like I'm spending the next three days not really sleeping, pretty close to rocking myself in the corner. Yeah. I told you guys what happened, and then it was like three days later. It was really yeah, quick. I feel, I feel like it was only like a day or two later. A day or two later. I, I sort of said, it was kind of like a, a movie moment. I, I kind of declared that I would wear this shirt till it fell off and I would just do my walk. She doesn't know what pointing means. Yeah. Go lie there. Lay down, And um, people, as I started walking, because I walked in the evening, like three or four people, it wasn't as majestic as it could have been, started coming out of their houses in orange shirts. And it was kind of lovely. They were kind of like, this is our village. Let yeah. us walk with the mayor. Yeah. <laughs> We were kind of the posse walking. Um, and then the third day, was it kind of died out, as we've talked about. Like, things yeah, people, die out. They're, they get they're fickle. They're fucking fickle. They just yeah. care about it, and then they're done. Did you see how quick water went away? Oh, like caring about water yeah. and how our water's being sold off? Yeah. yeah. And who's, it, was, it was like an hour. Who's been talking about this for years is the indigenous people. They're like, always. Me. Yeah, and you. That's right. I'm a huge advocate for this. I love water. Water's so good. <laughs> if I have to hear Drew talk about water one more time. Guys, do you want clean some of my water? water. It's so clean. <laughs> so, um, okay, so I went for my walk three days later. No one was with me. Yeah. And I'm coming back, and I can see facing me is a Jeep. Right. And, and I now, get nervous. Is this the same Jeep? Yeah. And now I'm this, not sure. This is my favorite story <laughs> because it's just the ultimate payoff to everything we've done. And this is... <laughs> It was one of the best phone calls I've ever received in my life. <laughs> and so, it wasn't my phone call. Yeah, so I'll let you go ahead. Okay. So I'm walking and I can see teenagers, you know, in the middle of the road, side of the road, everywhere. They're doing selfies. I don't know what they're doing. And they're just kind of spread out everywhere. And it's COVID. So I'm not wearing a mask because I'm outside and I'm just kind of getting nervous because I'm getting closer to them. And it's a different shape, right? It's, I, sure? I wasn't sure. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure. It was cream. It was, you know, and I'm, I, to me, the Jeep was white that, atta- that hit me or not hit me that through the cup, but I'm not. You I'm, left the part out where they run you over. They, that's right. And then that's, I did 911. Um, so I'm not sure because you can't trust your mind when you're in yeah, you're fight kind of or shocked. flight. Yeah, yeah. All I remember really is the yelling, one of the girl's faces and the cup. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah. So I'm coming towards them and they're everywhere. And I'm thinking, I box. Yeah. I'm gonna you I, I box. I could I could take all twelve of these people. <laughs> so I'm coming towards them and I just 
really assertive, like put on the assertive voice and say, guys, please. Like, and I have to remind myself, you're the adult. Come on. <laughs> you're the grown up. Just be a grown up. Damn it. They're not teenage bullies. Teenagers scare me too, by the way. Yeah. I'm always like, they're going to make fun of me. Right. So I just, I just said, guys, it's COVID. Can you pick a side of the road so I can walk by? And they were all quite accommodating. Oh, sorry, miss. Sorry, miss. And they all pile into this car. And I was like, oh, thank God. So I just, I'm just, they're parked at the side of the road and I'm walking around the car. And as I get to the back of the Jeep, this huge guy steps out right into my face. He's super drunk. You could smell it and see it in his eyes right away. And he's obviously just taken a piss because it hasn't been put away. It's yeah. right there in his kind hand. Dick in his hand. Dick in his hand like a fucking idiot. And he comes right down into my face. And he's like, what are you, the fucking mayor of... And he didn't finish his sentence. I was going to... I imagine he was going to say mayor of Kettleby Road. Mayor of Kettleby. Mayor of the boss of us. I don't, don't know. Don't say Kettleby Road. Everyone's going to be able to find Oh. It. It's too late now. Anyway, continue. I don't really live there. Yeah. My name is Sheila Carlini, and I don't give a damn. <laughs> so, um, he just leans right into my face and just without even flinching or thinking about it, I brought my elbow right across his face. Like it just fucking smashed the side of his face. It was so fast. And I've never heard a dead thunk. Like yeah. just such a You get that thunk. Uh, that, like it's, that it's, meat packing it's sound. It's a meat sound. Yeah. It's just such a it's such a dead sound. There's no <laughs> echo to it. It's just thunk. And he let out this scream it was like this it was a painful scream like it was a painful he was like a woman in labor on television right and he dropped to the ground and i just i know what i could feel my heart was racing and i just said get back in your fucking car son and then i turned on my heel and started booting it because i thought they're gonna kill me they're gonna get in the car turn around they're gonna grab me and they're gonna just curb stomp me yeah. and kill me no no matter how good your elbow is you don't want to fight 12 people no you don't there's no way i'm not reacher yeah. by the way so well you kind of are. i'm a little bit reacher just really a small version <laughs> a tiny tiny box set version of reacher so i start walking as fast as i can going okay that neighbor i know that neighbor i could just go right into their house and i can't and i just okay okay just look back and i turn around and look back and the car is booting it down the other way to the end of the road and of course, I just, five minutes later, get into my house. The phone's ringing. It's Sheila. I answer it. And I go, ah! and I just started shaking uncontrollably. Well, we were talking about this the other day. Yeah, um, that yeah. was it. It yeah. was, I was shaking. I couldn't steady my hands. Yeah. And I was like, I, I, I have to put I you on speaker. Way. I can't hold the phone. Yeah. And I'm going, you don't understand. I saw this. I think those guys are the same guys from the Jeep. And then she's going, what happened? I said, I threw an elbow and I smashed his face. And she just says, what? Hold on. (laughs) And I didn't know why she had me on hold. And she called, brought you into the call. She just called you. So I had just gotten home, I believe. Uh, Maybe I was home for like half an hour. Mm. And I just got on the couch, had a glass of wine and was sitting down. I believe it was on a Friday. I'm going to say. Yeah. And yeah. so it was Friday night and me and That's Eve, right. Because you were having wine and you were relaxing and you were like, this was the best yeah, night. Because we never have wine on weekdays. <laughs> but uh, we, we were just kind of sitting down to relax for our night. I think we'd started a movie and then the phone rang and it's, you guys text me a lot, but you never call me. 
No. So I, I was like, huh. What happened? Something strange here. Yeah. And when I answered, I could hear, sometimes you can hear the sound of like chaos, I always say. Yeah. And Sheila sounded so happy. <laughs> But your breathing, I could tell something wasn't right. <laughs> I was, I had some like ragged labored breathing yeah. probably. And so Sheila was ecstatic and laughing hysterically and was like, she was just so happy. And she's like, Catherine has something to tell you. <laughs> like, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> and then I just told you and you were like, I'm so happy. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. And I was like, you are? Thanks, Drew. <laughs> Oh my God. But I just, it took the rest of the yeah. night to just. And I just, I traced it all the way back to when I met you because I remember you being so shy when I walked into premium. <laughs> and <laughs> I've just, created a monster. Yeah, to come this far. And I remember watching the first time you boxed and I was like, oh, she's got lethal elbows actually. <laughs> and then I remembered the picture where you're crying and holding the coffee cup. And it was so terrible. And everyone was like, poor little cat. Poor cat. What's this delicate little girl going to do? <laughs> and then the next day, you're knocking this man out in the middle of the street. He was so big. Yeah. And then yeah. We, we got like a little bit of follow-up that I don't think we ever got closure on if it was him or not. But yeah. didn't you hear a few days later that yeah. someone's son had gotten their eardrum <laughs> burst? So there was, she's moved. But she had a teenager who knew these guys and and that car full most of them had been in the car that threw the cup at me okay and they were from like a neighboring town or whatever but then also i heard that this guy <laughs> i shouldn't laugh this is somebody's child um you deserved it. yeah fine. you gotta be proud i have a rule i always say that I, I tell people this all the time now i say everybody just needs their ass kicked once just once i yeah. think he's probably your an, outlook on i think he's an advocate now i think yep. he's out there teaching he's, window yep. he's got his orange shirt on <laughs> he he's can't fucking hear a thing out of his right ear <laughs> yeah his eardrum was burst and he had a like a broken um, orbital, bone. orbital bone. Yeah, yeah. The orbital bone is the best one to hit. <laughs> yeah, so you can crack those. Oh things. my god! You know what the thing is? I called the police myself and yeah. told them what I did. Yeah, and said this is where I live, and if this person you know has to go to emergency or you need to like, and the a police officer was laughing. He's like, I have an incident number. Yeah, are you the one who had the cup thrown at you? <laughs> I was like, yes. I'm and he said, oh, well, don't, like, don't worry. Obviously, we'll look into it, but I think it's okay. The person had, was exposed and was, thre- and was threatening you. Yeah. It's fine. I should tell people we're talking to each other right now with a sheet of glass between us because yeah. Catherine's actually in prison. <laughs> Such good sound over and, that phone that they used. Now, now that you've given tap, your tap, address. Tap. <laughs> we'll probably have okay. pop cars here by the time I upload it. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, wow. so that's the wild story. Yeah. And I, I just think it's the feel good story of It's the a feel good and you want the Trudeau story too, probably. Oh right, yeah. Let's talk about your It started a long time ago. Yeah, so this isn't your first violent incident. No, it really isn't. Um and this one will be very, very current because I think a lot of people want to punch this guy in the face. <laughs> I know they really do. So you've punched Justin Trudeau in the face? I mean, punched. You know what? My mom keeps getting. When he got elected, the story got lighter and lighter. But my dad's like, "No, no, you gave him a good. You gave him a good clatter in the face." Well, you don't hold back. You know? it's in your head. <laughs> so he's he's older than me, which actually is kind of shameful. Like I would have been probably three. Okay. 
And it was a parliamentary um, Christmas party. So my uncle was clerk to the House of Commons, and that's why we got invited to these things. Okay. And his dad was was pre- was prime minister at the time. Yeah. So I guess kids were opening presents. They were given presents by a Santa that they had there. Sure. And um, so I opened mine, and I think mine was, fuck, I don't want to say it was a truck with everything that's going on, but I think it was a truck. <laughs> it Trudeau was what loves you his <laughs> trucks. It's what you would consider a quote-unquote boy right. present, right? A masculine. But I didn't, kids don't give it, they don't care. Yeah, so I was like, this is mine. And I he was coming over, I guess he was going to give me his present. But instead of bringing his present, he just came over and grabbed the truck from me. Okay. Which I was like, what? I guess. And I just, my dad said I pushed myself up and like toddled off after him and kind of, tugged on him, he turned around and I just gave him a big punch and then grabbed my truck <laughs> and my dad ran over and his father ran over and there was no big deal. He, in fact, he got in trouble. So Pierre like told him like, you don't snatch things from kids. Like you don't do that. He was very, and my dad of course is like, oh my God, Catherine, why did you hit the prime minister's kid? You know? So he's like, say sorry. And apparently I was like, no. I wouldn't say something. No, I wouldn't say sorry. And for years after that, Justin would wake up in the middle of the night going, trucks, <laughs> trucks. And now it's all come full circle. It's all come full circle. And then um, Trudeau actually, as the tale goes, said to him, and that's why you never argue with a lady. <laughs> <laughs> that so, is my favorite story, though. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about working at CBC? Ugh. As a grown, yeah. Yeah, part of my PTSD. Yeah, that probably fed into it. That was a, it was a, it was, it was the heyday of like Jean Gameshi and. Yeah, yeah. Did you? So did you work with him? No, no. But like you'd hear whispers and stuff, and. Yeah, I've heard from anyone who's ever worked there that it's pretty common knowledge. Like, yeah, this all happened. But the thing is, it's, it wasn't just him. Yeah. Like you just go, you know, if you work there. In the 90s, it was kind of like, like late 90s, 2000, early 2000. It was, it was, it was just kind of like, yeah, that's, that was the culture. I hate to say it. Like, yeah. it's embarrassing. I mean, I know it's changed, but you had an unspoken language and it wasn't just CBC, right? It was corporate. It was the corporate world, but, but you had an unspoken language with female colleagues. Like, oh, I just came from this floor. I just came from this department there. And they just roll their eyes because they knew, like, who grabbed your ass or who said something inappropriate or just who, you know. I mean, I remember getting on an elevator and this actor who ran a theater company, no longer does it, thank God, just put his, you know, I was probably 22, put his hand on my ass and left it there while people got into the elevator. And then when... That's how even I met Oh, maybe I'm just mixing it up with your love story. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I know I tell it a lot. <laughs> I thought it was an escalator. <laughs> I thought it was more public. You're a dickhead. So he did that, and then as he's getting off the uh, elevator, he turns around, like, no joke, with that, like that, and yeah. says, great skirt. Like, can you imagine? So. And now you guys are married? Yeah, I married him. <laughs> No, I didn't fucking marry him. But I did anyway. It was a it was a strange place, and I got to work on a radio documentary show, and that was great because everyone was really smart, and they weren't like that. It was yeah. just really really great. 
but uh, I was in communications and for, you know, where they do publicity and communications yeah. and no one knew how to communicate. It was fucked and it was soul crushing. It was like a springboard into a brick wall if you were female. Yeah. And then if you did get ahead, it was like this shitty, well, what did she do? Yeah. Well, I wonder whose dick she sucked to get there. It was just fucking awful. Yeah. So I just left and got retrained and then went into a more misogynist job. <laughs> <laughs> went into film. But at least film paid you well. Yeah. And it was really, really fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, CBC was full of um, misogyny. And it was hiding under the... You know, they were so politically correct. And you're like, this is garbage. This right. is just like a big hypocritical place to be working, you yeah. know? And um, I remember the time, so I was dating Emmett's dad at the time, and he was a radio technician. And they, <laughs> they also weren't big on union, I would say. Okay. So he was part of the union for radio techs. And they went on strike. It was a pretty brutal strike. And you'd have to line up to cross the picket line, which I did. Mm-hmm. Um and they had like fire barrels outside. All the guys started looking really homeless, like they had long beards. Uh, they were taking, they're getting flats of wood and burning them. And just, you know, you'd go and bring people coffee and stand outside with them and all of that. But I remember he was such an idiot because he's the only person who gave an interview about it. Okay. <laughs> he gave it to the National Post and they put his fucking picture like huge <laughs> and he said all this shit and then they come back from the strike and you know because they got their raise and they got everything that they had sort of asked for yeah. and it was a really long strike and then he he, go, he he did this interview and I swear to god they were back one day and it was just like that Simpsons episode could, uh, you know, Simpson, Bart, <laughs> please come to the office. It was just him. Please yeah. come to HR. And he was fucking fired. Yeah. Like fired. They, they just didn't. So you couldn't talk up about rights. You couldn't talk up about union. Like you couldn't. You just couldn't. You had no power got there. Shut down, right? You got shut down. You got shut down quickly. Yeah. 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 So, but I learned a lot there. Yeah. I learned like. My boss was telling me how to power dress, quote unquote. And I was like, so really we should look like a Century 21 real estate agent? Is that? (laughs) That's the plan. Wear the red blazer. It's the power blazer. Peggy Hill interviewed you. (laughs) She was Peggy Hill, 100%. Oh, my God. She has the worst jingle. Like, does she think that commercial sounds good? (laughs) What's the jingle? Um, Now you have to sing. Go, Drew. It goes, Peggy Hill, keeping it real. <laughs> it's like, what the... Why didn't you wait till I got the sticks? Yeah. Fuck, you what, ruined it. What the fuck is she thinking with that song? <laughs> like, um, it's a comedy. So what are you doing now? Your new pursuit. Uh, so now I'm back in school. Because I'm going to try and coach women to be... Punch out people in the street. Punch people out in the street and not take shit. That's basically what I want to do. I want to help women. There's probably there's probably a job in there for you somewhere. Yeah. I'm sure that something's going to happen. I could really use one. <laughs> yeah. I need What's a- this fucking pursuit? <laughs> I- I'm just kidding. You suit this pursuit perfectly. And I understand like being in entertainment and just going every which way you yeah. can. Yeah. yeah. And you have to, right? You're like, I have stories to tell. I have to do this. Yeah, it's, and you, the thing is, too, sometimes you're passionate about something and you lose it. Yeah. And that's scary. 
because my whole life I just wanted to wrestle. And then now it's kind of gone. Okay. When you say wrestle, I want to say, yes, wrestle, but you also wanted to just perform. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> fuck. I don't know any other art form, quote unquote, yeah. where you want to be funny and you want to perform and be a character, but you also want to get the shit kicked out of you for real. Like, it's, what the, what is wrong with you guys? It's an interesting, uh, I, I was talking with Bill about it the other day. And yeah. I, I was saying that it's the only thing where there's a live crowd. It's one take. You're doing all your own stunts. You're doing it's improv. nuts. And you're actually hitting each other. Yeah, and, why? But everybody says we're the fake ones. So. But, well, yeah, but they're not... It's because it's not like high school wrestling. Like, yeah. it's not a scene from Greece. Come on. Yeah. But I, I think I've just. I don't like, mean Greece the country. I mean Greece the movie. Yeah. There is a wrestling scene. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. But I think I just like, I don't know. I want to try and not put all my eggs in one basket and just. Yeah. Well, that's what I did with. So I did Diva in the Rough. And then I was like trying to promote a show. So I, I said, how can I promote a show? And. What should I do? And Sheila's like, well, why don't you just do the words you have in the show? Why don't you do... It was Sheila's idea. Yeah. There. I said it. Don't God give damn it. She's the other half of Irish Word of the Day. Because she yeah. came up with it. She started filming me. And then she started being in them. And she, it was funny because it started out because she didn't have an accent. Yeah. But we were sisters. And I was always like, well, that's because they just found you. And I'm actually <laughs> their child. Right? And so... We, I started, I looked the other day and I was like, how many people looked at this old, like Irish word of the day? It just, we sold out the show every time we did it. We did two, one Irish show and then we did another one, but then there was lockdown. Yeah. But we sold it out before, I don't know, two weeks before the show even was happening. Yeah. And so like that taught me how to be in social media and how to like market yourself and right. do all this stuff. So that's another branch. So then there's the Irish word of the day lady who's just somebody who thinks they're overly educated but is a fucking asshole. Right. That's that character. Yeah. Not very far away from <laughs> Sheila's character. <laughs> and then um, I started acting. Yeah. Yeah, in play. So you saw me in... Yep. I was in a play in... January 2019, where I'm pretty sure the whole cast got COVID. That was the sickest I've ever been in my life. Okay. Where I just was on this couch. Yep. Aladdin was on that couch. And we would just text each other. Are you getting water or am I? Like, you couldn't even make yourself get water. And that's Aladdin from the Disney movie. Yeah. yeah. And he's got a carpet. It's not here right now. Otherwise, we could do this up in the air. <laughs> that's Aladdin with 1D. <laughs> There's also of- being Irish, and he has an English accent, so it's a regular thing that I want to throw an elbow and kill him. Yeah. Yeah. That was a podcast with Catherine. Oh, we mostly talked about Disney movies. <laughs> and killing people. <laughs> yeah. Sticks in flying carpets. Anyway, so yeah, and now I'm in school, Yep. and I'm rehearsing for another play. Excellent. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely come and see it. Yeah, I'll get you tickets this time. You paid too much money last hopefully, time. Hopefully there's more wine this time. Yeah. The wine was so good. The wine was good. Mm-hmm. It was very good. It was down in the Niagara area, and it was a good time. And they're selling the winery, so we can't get. We have to go buy all that wine. They're selling the winery. Yeah. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. So we have to go get that midnight wine, like as much as we can. I have a friend who's a winemaker that lives in Niagara. Let me do some digging. Let's just see. do. 
please just go there and get it for us. Yvonne, we need to talk. <laughs> uh, so the last thing that I do with everybody is you have to recommend something. So it can be anything in the world from any walk of life. I just want people to explore something that sure. they might not usually do. Okay. I recommend you train with Drew. Aww. Aww. No, but seriously, my real recommendation what a is... rip off that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, there's... Um, he didn't group... even have a clock. Fuck. I know, when I said, are you timing this? And you went, nope. <laughs> Just until you collapse. Okay, so when Drew trains you, here's my recommendation. I recommend Drew makes... <laughs> t-shirts with slogans to really fucking motivate and inspire people so when you're dying and you're training and you go i can't do it he just says you're fine fine. keep going you're fine he's the equivalent of the kitten in the hang in there baby (laughs) t-shirt the little kitten on the bar okay so i recommend the jingle dress project which is um these four indigenous women, or might be more than four, it's in the States. And there's these things called jingle dresses. They're like super beautiful and bright and colorful, and I don't know enough about them. But it's an. No, I can tell you all about them. I own two. I know you do. Yeah. But that's, that's elf jingle. That's different. Um, oh, wait. I'm thinking of the jingle cats who sing <laughs> Christmas carols on YouTube. Not to be confused with. So they're trying to heal through art. So what they're doing is. And they and they do their they do their dances or they're meant to bring healing and happiness and everything, and they're ballsy like they're going to places like they're going to Mount Rushmore and they're dancing in front of it and and you know what they're educating people one by one and they're fucking awesome and you can like buy their beautiful T-shirts and all of this stuff but they're like Mount Rushmore, I didn't know was like the holiest of holies like basically indigenous mecca okay and america carved into the side of their (laughs) fucking mountain and was like here's some white people faces and i was like oh my jesus i didn't know this so i recommend them and i recommend the show reacher this is a this is way different the other side of the spectrum because it's so fucking violent and wonderful and I, I would just like to be a mini Reacher. Yeah. That's my goal in life. I think life. you kind of are a mini Reacher. Thank you. I, think I appreciate it. I think I appreciate you've already it. attained that goal. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, anything else you want to touch on? No. You're good? Just, just going to throw an elbow just to, just to finish off. Keep throwing elbows. Thanks. All right. You're the best. Love you. Love you.